Hello and welcome to the No Longer Be Children podcast and vlog. I'm your host, Josiah Meyer, and we are in pursuit of a mature and stable Christian worldview. And tonight, um, I was up a little bit late and um, got a quiet house, which is unusual for me. And so I thought this might be a great time to um, do this podcast slash vlog um, that I've been wanting to do on losing weight. So this is going to be one of my first vlogs. Um, you need to know normally I, I do theology, I do a lot of history, a lot of history of ideas, lots of apologetics. This is not going to be a regular thing to talk about weight loss. Um, but I also talk about things that are like fresh on my mind that um, are part of my journey. And um, I just lost 50 pounds in six months. So I'm pretty stoked about this. Um, I'm not sure if that's a Canadian expression. I'm stoked about it. Anyways, I'm excited that I just lost a bunch of weight. Um, and um, I've pretty much been, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, I've pretty much been overweight all my life. And um, so this is a big deal that I kind of feel like I've, broken free from some of those things and a lot of it for me has been psychological mental sort of stuff uh, when certain things clicked in place for me it's like everything else fell into place the main if you don't get further than the next five minutes that might be the most important thing because really it comes down to motivation and um, a lot of these things that I'm going to talk about um, you know tracking your weight and uh, tracking your calories and understanding how sugar works and insulin works and I knew I've known this stuff for years I've known it for decades some of it um, and yet it wasn't really making a difference um, and at a certain point I started asking myself and I started asking myself this at the beginning of the summer how am I gonna actually motivate myself like I know what I should do how, but how am I going to motivate myself? And I've done, I've done so many crash diets. I've done so many of these, hey, I'm going to do this, you know, I announce it on Facebook. Just really ask myself, how can I really motivate myself? You know, if I want to get something done, I get it done. And I ask myself the question, if somebody, if somebody promised you like a million dollars, if you could lose the weight that you want to lose in whatever time span, um, would you do it? Well, of course I would. If somebody offered you a million dollars to lose 30 pounds or 50 pounds or whatever it is for you to arrive at your ideal weight for your height, if somebody offered you that money, well, this is what I thought right away, is if somebody actually offered me that money, said, here's the money, if, I, if you can lose this money, if you can lose this weight, I will give you the money. My mind would shift gears at that point. I would stop thinking things like, um, do they think I can do it? Or um, I'll be so embarrassed if I don't make it. Or um, I'm cheating right now, but maybe later on I'll, I'll make it up. All these sorts of mind games that, that play into dieting. My mindset would shift into thinking, how am I gonna get this done? And that practical, you know, get her done, fix it mode. Um, that's, that's how I would enter in. It's, it's like going from um, talking about, hey, I'm going to climb a mountain someday. Okay, well, 
fine. You're going to climb the mountain. What's it going to feel like when you're on top of the mountain? Okay, maybe you're going to think about that. Um, who are you going to take with you? You know, like, and you're thinking, oh, it's going to be fun to take somebody along with me up this mountain. We're going on a mountain trip next week. Are you ready? Oh, okay, hold on a second. I need to think about how I can actually do this. I need to think about gear. I need to think, you know what I mean? Like when you actually decide to do something, your mind switches into get or done mode. And I think all of us have that capacity. It's just honestly, we're not in the mode of getting it done. We're not in the mode of wanting to lose the weight. And that's where I've been most of my life is I've been playing around with weight loss. But I haven't been like, yeah, I, I want it to happen now. I want it to get it done. So how... What are some things that help me click into that? Um, you know, that, that question of, of if somebody offered me a million dollars, would I do it? That, that was kind of key for me. Um, I realized that, um, you know, every decision is a death of a, a certain kind of death. If you choose to go to law school instead of med school, you know, if you're the sort of person that can make these decisions... If you decide to be a plumber instead of a mechanic or stay-at-home mom instead of a career mom, whatever it is, you know, you make a decision, one version of you dies and the other version of you lives. And there's genuine pain involved in every decision because it hurts to make those decisions to say, I'm not going to be this, I'm going to be this. And I think that's why Jesus said, um, that you need to count the cost. He said specifically that we need to count the cost before we decide to follow him. Um, but it's also something that applies to all of life. He said nobody's going to build a tower before they first sit down and say, how much is this going to cost? Do I have enough money? Because otherwise you're going to build it halfway, realize you don't have enough money, and then everybody's just going to laugh at you for this half-built tower that you've got. Nobody's going to march out to war before they first of all calculated whether they think their army is stronger than the other army. Otherwise, you're going to lose the battle. You're going to get killed. It's going to be a bad day. So there's all sorts of things that got to go when you're losing weight uh, and when you're sustainably going to stay at a lower weight. Um, comfort food's got to go. I mean, the, the late night snacking. Um, and I don't say that lightly. I mean, something that we used to do often was having nacho chips and salsa and watch a movie or else guacamole and you know it was a nice time with my wife and i don't do that anymore um even that thing of when you're out to out to a dinner and or out with friends and they offer you a really generous portion of cake or dessert um you know if you're seriously losing weight you know, once you get at your weight and you're sustainable and you're exercising and you got things figured out, you'll be able to take a, a small piece of cake. But when you're seriously losing weight, that's part of the price you got to pay is to say, you know, I'm on a diet, can't really do that right now. And there's a whole bunch of other things. So I'd encourage you if this is kind of part of your journey, if you're trying to think about how you might want to do this, what's, what's the cost? What's the benefit? Write it out. Think it through. How much are you willing to sacrifice for this? How much do you want it? That being said, I think probably um, a lot of the credit for my weight loss probably has to go to Jordan Peterson, uh, who's written the book 12 Rules for Life, but I mostly know him through his podcasts and YouTube. 
and um, it's hard to express exactly um, how his message speaks to me but I think what it basically comes down to is take responsibility for yourself um, you know some people have health conditions and that's why they're overweight but for myself and for the vast majority of and and society also plays a role um, uh, processed foods and, and food giants and Monsanto and whatever all these things play a role but for myself and for you know the vast majority of people it's my hand that's putting the food in my mouth and so I'm the one that's responsible for the weight that I have and that's a really important thing to be able to admit and um, Jordan Peterson didn't say this but this is my way of kind of encapsulating into a small to, to summarize what he has to say is don't be a victim you're not a victim you're not a victim of your upbringing you're not a victim of your metabolism you're not a victim of the big food giants you're not a victim of the teasing that you experience as a, a child you're not even a victim of your previous self you're not a victim don't tell yourself the victim story because the victim story has no happy ending victims don't have a way forward the only thing they have is passive aggressive anger and you know a never-ending frustration at all these people that have hurt them and victimized them victimhood is the path towards darkness be a hero be a hero what is a hero a hero is somebody that might have a dark backstory right a backstory the story of where they came from you know king arthur he was a stable boy he was kicked around he was nobody king david well he was a shepherd boy he was so devalued by his family that when samuel called his father to to bring out the kids he wasn't even thought of he, he was a nobody he was the runt of the family you know cinderella was you know just somebody sweeping ashes uh, the cinders we could go on and on these are people that could have called themselves a victim a victim but they didn't they wanted to be something better than they were to exceed who they were to become somebody different they became a hero and that's why we still tell their stories because a hero says bad things have happened to me but I'm in control and I'm going to make sure that good things happen going forward in my future that the future will be better than the past and that I am the protagonist in my life see that's that's another that's an interesting way of putting it too that I am the protagonist in my life for a victim somebody else is the protagonist oh well my parents overfed me or society overfed me or you know my my wife cooks amazing bread which is true but it's still my hand that puts it in my mouth right if you're a victim you're not the hero of your own story you're not the author of your own story you're not the protagonist be the protagonist be the hero and as I was thinking about this and wrestling with this and trying to figure out how I could motivate myself um, but I think that when you go really deep whether it's as a man or as a woman 
you get to this deep place of no nonsense. Um, you know, I almost want to swear to express myself, you know, like, like thinking of somebody climbing a mountain, they're not doing that haphazardly. They're doing it and they're saying, I'm getting to the top of that mountain no matter what. I will conquer this. I will overcome. There's nothing that's going to get in the way of me getting to that mountaintop. And there's a certain amount of anger there. There's a certain amount of aggression. And that aggression is what gets things done. That's, that's the aggression that, that drives great athletes. That's the aggression that drives, you know, the great businesses and the great success stories. That's the aggression that builds empires. And certainly that aggression can, can go into a negative direction. When you dig down deep enough, you get to a place where there's anger. Because you get angry about the things that are important to you. And so um, I think that for this journey to work, I needed to find that anger for myself, that passion that was going to drive me to make the sacrifices that I needed to, um, to climb those mountaintops, to die those deaths so that I could get to where I need to be. And, um, you know, another, another thing that helped at this juncture was just me saying, look, like I'm 35. It was kind of a significant milestone for me, 35. It kind of feels close to 40. Um, and at a certain point I realized I can't keep blaming somebody else for, for my life. I mean, this is my life. Are you gonna live, are you gonna live it or not? And um, just be really honest. Um, I was talking about these things. I was getting close. My mind was kind of almost in the right place um, to really make the plunge and say, okay, tomorrow we're going to do it. Actually, I had started my diet at this point. I hadn't told anybody yet. Um, but I was hanging out with another guy uh, that I don't see super often. And uh, we were talking about this. We were both kind of talking about how we want to lose weight and stuff. And, and I said, yeah, well, I used to. I have done this before. I have lost weight, which is true. I've had a few you know, times where I've lost the weight and gained it again. And I said, I used to be the same weight as so-and-so. And he said, come on, you were never that weight. You can't do that. And uh, I, I kind of let it go. But I, it kind of like, yeah. It kind of bugged me that he didn't think I could do it. And um, it bugged me a little bit. And uh, as I was driving home, I thought, I'm just going to hold on to that. And I'm going to pretend that he dared me. He didn't really dare me. I don't think he even remembers what he said. But um, that little bit of, of, uh, of rivalry there um, was kind of the spark that, that got it going for me. Um, so anyways, get your motivation right. And uh, the rest, I mean, most of us know what to do. I mean, you just got to stop eating so much food. Uh, and uh, a lot of things will fall into place. So that being said, motivation really is the most important thing. But there's other things that are pretty important too. I mean, you can be super motivated, do the wrong things, you get crazy hungry, um, and you know everything falls to pieces. So let's talk about some of, first thing here is some mediocre advice. So I, as I mentioned, I've been up and down a few times. Um, I've done tons of, of short-term or longer-term diets. Um, and I'm going to start off with some bad advice and things that people often do to try and lose weight. Uh, and then we'll get into what actually worked for me. All right, so the first 
mediocre advice. Um, one of the first diets I did with my wife, I said, all right, well, I know I need to lose weight. I'll just start eating more fruits and vegetables. And she said, you're going to lose weight by eating more? I thought, huh. Yeah, that's kind of weird, hey? Um, you can get fat on eating fruits and vegetables. Or um, maybe I shouldn't use the word fat. I don't know. It seems wrong. But it's the truth. Overeating is overeating. Um, and vegetables like, like bananas, apples, oranges, they have fairly high sugar contents. And so um, you need to be careful with how much of these things you eat. Now, you can eat all the broccoli you want, pretty much. You can eat all... I've heard that you can actually lose weight eating celery, um, but I doubt that it's ever happened because it doesn't taste very good. We, we in our society have prioritized vegetables and fruits that, that are sweet, that have a high sugar content, and I imagine that they've been selectively bred to be even sweeter. Everybody likes, you know, Honeycrisp apples instead of like a Granny Smith or those green terrible apples. Uh, but even those have a high sugar content. So you need to be careful about thinking, well, I'll just eat more fruit and vegetables. Yeah, well, for sure that's a better option, but that's not the magic formula. At some point you need to talk about portion control. And also even things like carrots and potatoes, um, those tubers, you know, they, they're high in starch and in sugar. And baby carrots are extremely sweet. Um, and so just thinking I'm going to eat more fruits and vegetables, you need to be a little bit discerning about which fruits and vegetables you're going to eat. Um, I mean, this is maybe a silly example, but what do, how do pigs get fat? I mean, it's usually, you know, fruits and vegetables is, is how they get fat. Um, so, uh, yeah, just eating fruits and vegetables is not necessarily going to be the magic formula. Uh, just exercise more. Everybody asks me, um, everybody has been, been asking me when I tell them that I've lost some weight, oh, did you exercise lots? This is how much I exercised. None. I didn't exercise at all. Maybe I should have. Maybe that would have been part of the complete package, but I didn't. Uh, certainly exercise is good. But what I've done in the past before I really knew what I was doing is I would go for a, a run and I'm not super athletic, so I do like two kilometer run or two kilometer walk, jog, run. And I'd come back all sweaty and be like, oh man, that was so much work. Now I can eat a donut, you know, and then totally stuff my face. And I'd actually gain weight that way. Because if you start tracking, um, as we're going to talk about in a second, tracking calories the calories that you burn and also the, the calories that you eat, you'll realize um, it really takes a lot of exercise to burn up some of your food. Like um, a two kilometer jog, a real jog, not uh, an overweight, out of shape sort of a jog, but like somebody that's actually going full bore and really jogging for two kilometers, they're gonna burn about 200 calories. So it's about 100 calories a kilometer, I guess. Our bodies are very efficient machines, really, when you think about it. It's pretty incredible. Um, and if you start tracking calories, you realize you can't really eat very much food for 200 calories. Um, I mean, that's... Well, I've got written here. In other words, you can, you can jog to Starbucks and you have enough calories burned to, to have a pumpkin spice latte. If you jog one kilometer to, to 
Starbucks, drink your latte, jog home. You've, you've broken even. You haven't lost any weight, but you've broken even. But if you take a pastry with that, or if you have an extra large instead of a medium, you're gaining weight. You might feel virtuous because you've burned all these calories and you have, you've broken a sweat and everything like that. Um, but thinking, I'm going to do my regular thing, if your regular thing is gaining slightly over, over time, just sprinkling in a little bit of exercise is not going to help. It's also fairly hard to... Um, exercise is harder to figure out than diet. Well, this is what I found anyways. I found that I can do my regular life. I have a fairly you know office job sort of life. It doesn't involve a whole lot of physical exertion. Um, and I could do that with less food. Um, but trying to figure out exercise takes more time. And if you're leaning on that where you're going to try and burn like significant calories in a day, like 500 to 1,000 calories a day, and, and lose weight that way, you're just going to have a hard time finding the time to do that. Whereas losing weight that's eating less, that's technically doing less. Uh, well, actually, realistically, it takes more time to figure out your diet. But it, for me, it was just, it's easier to figure out. Uh, and so just to exercise more, it's mediocre advice. Uh, and, and sometimes it can lead to, to more weight gain, at least that's what I experienced. Um, just eat less sweets and eat more of the main course. So this is kind of maybe conventional knowledge or, or, or kind of conventional wisdom or something that you might think. Well, instead of going for the chocolate cake um, at my son's birthday, I'm just going to have a second plate of spaghetti. Uh, instead of having the, the, the cream, the, the, the jam-filled donut at, the, at Starbucks, I'm going to have a cream cheese bagel instead. So the thing you need to know about um, about bread, which is kind of the main thing that we eat in our society, is that what you're eating is not really grain. It's it's not white flour, is a wheat product, but it's not actually wheat. And I'm going to explain that to you. Now this here is. Um, This tells you what's in grain. So just ignore the fact that it's hard to see my face here for a second. So, you know, grain is a grass that grows and it has seeds on the top, similar to when you, when you, you know, those grass seeds, blue grass seeds have, have little grains, but, but the grain that we actually eat, wheat grain, has quite large seeds and they dry up and then that's what, what we eat. But um, you can't eat that. Uh, that's that's really hard and so what we do is we grind it up and when we grind it up then we have all these things here we have this is the bran so this is the shell when the shell gets all broken up this is the middlings which is the extra stuff inside um, the shell this is the wheat germ which is the actual seed of the wheat this is the wheat germ oil so if you if you were to take just the wheat germ and squish it, you know, a lot, then oil would come out because the, the wheat germ needs a little bit of oil to keep it moist. You know, this, this germ, if you had let it, it would have grown out up into new wheat. Of course, this is what actually creates life. And this is white flour. 
So this is the part of the grain deep down inside of everything that would have given life uh, to the next, that, that would have been the food for the young seed as it started to grow. So just to give you a visual representation of what's going on inside of a seed, let's think of a peanut. So you got your, your peanut here. Outside is the bran, and then you break it open. You have just a little bit of middlings in there on the outside of the seed, this extra stuff that you're not gonna use. And then, oops, falls apart quite easily because they're roasted. Right on the top there, I can get it to focus correctly. Just tap the screen here. There we go. On the top there would be um, the, the actual seed that will grow. And um, if you were to squish the whole thing, then oil would come out of everything. So that's, that's what's in grain. You got your full package here. You got your bran, which is the outside of the seed, the middlings, which is the other stuff inside. You got your, uh, your wheat germ, which is what would grow. The oil is what would come out of everything, and the white flour is the actual food. So out of all this stuff, obviously, the white flour is, is high in energy. The other stuff is relatively low in energy. Obviously, oil has some energy in it, but the other stuff is slow to digest. It's, it's low in energy. Uh, it's, it's designed to protect the food and the grain. And obviously, the, you know, the grain is meant to, to grow. And so what we have done, well, what we've done since the beginning of human history, recorded human history, um, you know, 6,000 years ago, it's when writing was invented, society existed before that. But anyways, um, since the dawn of time, humans have been grinding grain because you can't, you can't get much out of this because uh, the, the shell protects the food so well that it just goes right through you. Um, similar to if you eat sesame seeds or something without chewing them, they'll just, you know, you're not getting anything out of it. Um, and so we, we've been grinding it between rocks and that, that, I think that's probably the main way, grinding it between rocks. And, and for many years, all this stuff was mixed in with the grain. You would store it like this as a dry grains. And then when you want to have bread, you would grind up these, you would just grind it up and all this stuff would be mixed in. And so you'd have bread that would have a, you know, big chunks of bran in it um, and that would just be part of it. Probably big chunks of stock in it too and other things that you can't totally digest but it becomes fiber and it, you know, it, it helps with digestion. And, and also the main thing that it does is that it slows down the sugar. So the main thing that's really important about the difference between taking a slice of, um, you know, your white Wonder Bread versus bread that they would have been eating even 100 years ago, or, but certainly 200 years ago, the difference is that these components here are completely taken out, and all we get is this white flour. And... Uh, I know all this stuff because my wife had a cooking, a baking business for many years and she made bread. Um, she bought a, a grain grinder and uh, would get the fresh um, grain and grind it up every day and make the fresh bread. And it had all these components in it, so it was a much healthier bread. It was 
you know, bread as it was designed, as God intended it to be eaten. Um, and uh, when we take these other components out, there's all these studies and, and, and theories that say that's probably why we have so many wheat allergies, because that's not how bread was designed to be eaten. All these other things, they balance it out. It's part of, you know, the, this harmony that we have between our bodies and nature and what we've been used to eating for all these years. All that might be true. What I mostly want to talk about right now is that white flour, without the other things, turns to sugar really quick. So you might think that you're being virtuous, you might feel virtuous, if you say, I'm not going to eat the jelly-filled donut, I'm going to eat the white bagel with jam on it instead. But you're basically eating the same thing. In fact, the bagel has more calories in it than the jelly-filled donut. And they're both made out of white flour. So the bagel might have less sugar in it, but it's still got white flour. And actually, if you look at how long it takes for sugar, pure white sugar to, to metabolize and turn into sugar in your bloodstream, and how long it takes for white flour to do the same thing, there's almost no difference. White flour will turn to sugar, you know, so quickly within your system. So obviously, this is a good thing, right? Like, our body lives on sugar. Um, you might not know this, but this is what you live on. This is your food. Um, you can't get a steak to float through your body and up to your brain and give it food, right? It, it needs to turn into sugar so that you know you, your muscles and your brain and whatever else can, can, can live. It needs oxygen, water, you know, and sugar. Um, but the problem is it's too much all at one shot. And so we're going to talk more about sugar spikes and insulin in a second here. Um, but what I want to just say right now is that white flour is a simple carb. So there's simple carbs and complex carbs. And the difference is a complex carb, carb is short for carbohydrate, a complex carbohydrate is going to take more time to digest, which means that the sugar, that the sugar in your bloodstream goes up slowly and down slowly, which means that you stay full, you feel full longer, you have energy longer, and your body doesn't have to release huge amounts of insulin to try and deal with that sugar. Um, a simple carb, if you have too much of it at one shot, what happens is your sugar goes spiking up, and then your body has to release insulin to deal with all this sugar, and then it comes crashing down because there's, this, there's always a bit of a lag and your body kind of freaks out, creates too much insulin. And then your sugar goes low, and then what happens an hour or two after you eat, you're starving hungry, right? This always happens when you eat Chinese food. Even though you stuffed your tummy full, you had a lot of carbohydrates, you had a lot of white flour, everything was breaded in white flour, those yummy chicken balls that you enjoyed, and you had a lot of sweet sauces. So that sugar goes crashing up and then crashing down, and then you're hungry at 9 o'clock and you just want to eat the whole house. Um, so... You might feel virtuous by not eating the chocolate cake or not eating, you know, the jelly-filled donut. But if you're if you're just going to eat white bread, if you're just going to eat white pasta, you're basically doing the same thing to yourself. So really, we need to get off of this white flour. This is this is really where the battle is because honestly, most of us feel self-conscious and feel like we're doing something wrong when we eat dessert, like pure sugar. But we don't always realize that we're doing something wrong like doing something that's unhealthy 
when we're eating white bread, white pasta. But these things are just as unhealthy as, um, as eating pure sugar. And if that's all that we're eating, then it's certainly even more unhealthy. So um, you might think, well, that's simple. I'll just eat the whole wheat bagel instead. I'm sorry. There's not a lot of good news in this portion here. Um, the reality is that if you actually look at what's in whole wheat, the whole wheat that we get, uh, not that they had 100 years ago, but the whole wheat that we get, they still take all this stuff out. And all that they leave is, I'll try not to break this, I'll be in trouble, is about 20% of the bran gets put back in, but they have no wheat germ, they have no wheat oil, and 80% of the bran is gone. So it still ends up um, that you're basically eating white flour. And in, you know, they, they do fortify it, they, they throw lots of vitamins in there, um, we as a society are not typically malnourished um, because we just shove vitamins into everything. It's cheap uh, and it does a good thing. I mean, we don't have scurvy and we don't have piles and we don't have typical malnutrition diseases that they have around the world and that we had 100 years ago. So that's a good thing. Um, but when we're talking about diet and, and weight and sugar, what what is significant is that even brown bread is not a complex carbohydrate usually, unless you buy specialty bread. Unless you bread, buy bread like uh, my wife used to make, um, grind, you know, buying a grinder, grinding it yourself. Uh, the flour behaves very differently and you need to store it in the freezer because, because it has the, the oil in it and it has the wheat germ in it. The germ is supposed to germinate, it's supposed to grow. It has moisture in it still, so it'll rot very quickly. It's not shelf stable. That's the main reason that they that our society has has been so drawn towards white flour, other than the fact that it's so yummy. It's very yummy too. Um, but you need to understand that going for the whole wheat bagel versus the white flour bagel, it's just got twenty percent more bran in it. In all likelihood, it's probably not very much better for you. It's certainly, you know, you're better off having brown pasta than white pasta. Uh, better off having brown bread than white bread, but it's not a significant advantage, unfortunately. Um, and if you have something like rye bread, um, which is one of my favorite breads, uh, they don't even try. I mean, it's not even brown bread. They just sprinkle some crushed, uh, what's it called? Oatmeal. They just, they just put stuff on top and then add like a caramel color to it to make it seem like it's brown bread, but it's not. It's really white bread, and that's why it's so yummy. Um, but the bad news is that it's, um, it's a simple carbohydrate and it needs to be treated as such. And so the last bit of mediocre advice here, I'm not sure if that was the fifth. Yeah, my fifth point of mediocre advice is just choose a low fat option. Go for, you know, low fat, um, smoothie or, or go for a low fat uh, option of cereal or granola bar or um, yogurt or um, some sort of pasta or something. Um, and it seems to make sense, right? We want less fat, we want less body fat on us. And so we're thinking, well, if I eat less fat, then I'll have less fat. 
So there is some truth to this, of course. I mean, fat is calories, if you, you know, butter and, and uh, oils and things like that. There's certainly calories in there, in fact. Um, there's fat really packs a lot of calories into a meal, more than often sugar. At least it's, it's more invisible. Uh, something we eat up in Canada is a poutine, which is French fries with cheese on top special kind of cheese and um, and meat, uh, smoked meat, and then a heavy gravy. We really like it. I know that sounds kind of weird, but you guys have gravy on your pumpkin pie or your apple pie, you weird Americans. Anyways, we can have that rivalry later. Um, but a poutine, uh, if it's a big enough one, can be over 2000 calories, which is your entire caloric intake for one day. Um, it would take you a while to eat that many donuts, 2,000 calories worth of donuts. I mean, that'd be 10 donuts, I guess, uh, thereabouts. You would think twice before eating 10 donuts, but you might eat a poutine for lunch and think, well, that, that was okay. You know, it was a little bit heavy, but it was okay. Um, so, so there is some truth to this that we do need to be, be careful of our fats. Um, but that being said, Having a lot of fat is a lot better than having a lot of sugar. And what, a lot, what happens really often when there's a, a low fat option of processed food, I mean, they still have to sell the food. Uh, if it's yogurt, for example, that's low fat yogurt, look at the label. I guarantee you, I know this because I'm, I'm a parent and I have kids and they like flavored yogurt. And the low fat flavored yogurt has more sugar because it has to taste good. Fat tastes good. And sugar tastes good. If they're going to take out some of the milk, some of the milk fat, then the yogurt's going to taste bland. How are they going to enhance the flavor? They're going to shoot some sugar back into that, or else some sucralose or some you know artificial nonsense. Uh, and that's a whole other issue that I don't get into because I don't I don't know much about that stuff. But I try and avoid you know the really artificial flavorings. But certainly, what I know is that. Um, you're better off eating fat than sugar, because fat, if you eat it in a you know in a, in a controlled amount, a reasonable amount, there's never a time to overeat in anything, except celery. You can overeat celery and pickles. Pickles are five calories each. Go to town. Have as many pickles as you want. Uh, but there's never a time to overeat on you know any any normal foods. Certainly not fatty foods. But if you got the choice between a full-fat food and a light food, uh, often the light food has more sugar in it to make it palatable, and it ends up being worse for you. So just, just be careful of that. Um, along with this, a lot of foods that, um, that we think are healthy are not actually healthy. A classic example of this is granola. You would think that granola is a healthy food. Um, in some places, health nuts are called crunchies because supposedly they eat a lot of granola. Well, they're probably making the granola themselves because if you buy granola in the store, there's tons of sugar in it. That's how it clumps together is with the sugar. Um, my wife makes homemade granola and it doesn't clump together because she doesn't put very much sugar in it. So granola, granola bars especially, I mean, they're just like sugar is the glue that holds the thing together. So I just encourage you, look at the label 
and see how many grams of sugar are in this and see how many grams are act it's actually is the product you know is it 30 grams it, is the dietary information per 30 grams and there's 10 grams of sugar well it's 30 percent sugar like hello this is not a healthy food and it's crazy how many foods that are marketed as health food either explicitly they're called low fat option or explicitly they're called healthy choice or something like that you look at the label and it's like 20 percent sugar 30 percent sugar and you're like how is this possibly health food or else you know it's all white flour and so just be careful about um, people are smart and they know that um, that we're dumb <laughs> sometimes and we want to have our cake and eat it too we want to lose weight and also eat yummy food whenever we want as much as we want and so we're gonna buy stuff that is stupid uh, and we're not gonna do our homework and we're gonna just take their word for it when it says healthy choice that it is a healthy choice when it might not be hey there um, we'll just interrupt this podcast to have a little demonstration here so I'm here at the cereal aisle and so uh, as you can see there's plenty of Fruit Loops and uh, everybody knows that Fruit Loops are pretty sweet if you have a look here at the nutrition this is for 27 grams and the sugar is 10 grams so it's over 30% pure sugar which is not really a surprise but then you think, well, I want to have a healthier choice. So what about Cheerios? This is Honey Nut Cheerios. Uh, labels in French here. If you look here, so this is for a 29 gram portion. And it's 9 grams sugar. So this one is also almost 30% sugar um, in our Honey Nut Cheerios. It, Looks healthier, but really, it's almost exactly the same thing as Fruit Loops. So then you think, well, I want to take multigrain Cheerios. This is going to be healthier. And it is a little bit healthier. We have 30 grams for 6 grams of sugar. Uh, so that is, uh, is that 20 gram, 20% sugar? So we went from 30 to 20% sugar. That's still an awful lot of sugar. Um, so you think, well, mini wheats. Uh, look at that, 100% whole grain. This is going to be a healthier choice. Uh, but again, we're looking at um, okay, a set of 54 grams. Um, yeah, it's, it's at the top there, 54 grams, and the sugar is 11 grams. So that's 20% sugar. It's the same percent as uh, the multigrain Cheerios. So you might think, well, let's go for something really healthy like um, our granola. Spoiler alert, it's not going to be. Uh, we have 45 grams and the sugar is 13 grams. So again, we're at around 25% sugar. So the bottom line is a lot of this sugar, this cereal here is just absolutely not, um, not on diet. Cheerios does make an original and that only has two grams of sugar for um, I think a 30 gram portion. Um, and Rice Krispies as well. The original Rice Krispies is very good. Um, and those are kind of the main cereals that we eat, as well as wheat, um, the old-fashioned wheats that are large. So, that was pretty dismal and depressing, wasn't it? Are you guys all depressed? 
here's some some good advice this is how I actually lost my weight and so I have an app uh, it's a free app I would highly recommend that you get it there's other apps I think that do this but this is the one that works for me been using it for a very long time it's called my fitness pal it's been bought by Under Armour and you just simply track uh, well the first thing you you should do before you even get too serious about anything else is just track your weight um, so that actually takes a little bit of doing you can't just weigh yourself whenever you feel like it you can't just use an old scale buy a decent scale digital scale um, and weigh yourself consistently throughout at a certain time every day wearing the same thing and I know this is kind of crazy but having the same like having an empty empty bladder and not having recently eaten or drunk so the way that I work this out is first thing in the morning I weigh myself always wearing the same thing after I have my pee so if that's too much information and before I have a drink of water so I always know there's nothing else that's affecting my weight and so I have an exact measurement down to the you know I'm in pounds and so I can know you know I am 177.2 pounds you know that is exactly my weight and so being down to the fine you know the the, the first decimal place what this does for you is first of all you, you can know where you are so so one day is not going to tell you where you are if you go for a, a couple weeks you're going to see where you kind of go up and down and as you track yourself you don't have to go crazy and try and lose weight right away just track yourself and just see see what happens just see see where the waves are see do you go up when you have more stress do you go down when you're calm do you go up when you're not sleeping well do you go down when you're sleeping well what is it for you that's that triggers the weight gain what is it for you that that helps you lose it um, and as you do that you're gonna start start to get in sync with your body and then one day you'll, you'll get on the scale and be like boom I lost a pound how did I do that and you think through the day and you think well I had this I didn't have that oh I didn't have an evening snack ah another day you'll look and you, you gained a pound you're like what in the world how did I or how did I gain 0.5 pounds this is crazy I, I you know I was hungry I had a, a mild headache in the afternoon I was really pushing hard to, to do my diet thing oh right I had that donut didn't I or I had you know whatever it was whatever that that treat was there's always a reason the scale, the scale does not lie um, and you're gonna start to clue in to if I eat this food at this time of the day it's gonna do that to the scale so when you look at the food it's not just is somebody looking it's not just will I feel embarrassed in the moment it's tomorrow morning I'm gonna look at the scale and I want to see this number but if I eat this right now I'm gonna see that number so what do I want and you know sometimes you decide that the dessert or the snack or the splurge is worth it because you're like you know I'm with friends and relationships are important and right now this is the thing to do and you know sometimes you'll make that decision and it'll be the right decision for you because you know you need to, you need to have friends um, and food is is the most basic way that human beings connect um, and so there's gonna be a time that you're gonna eat with friends and that's just normal um, and you're gonna eat perhaps too much 
but you're going to know exactly what you're doing to yourself and you're going to know all right well then tomorrow i'm going to have to lose this weight and that's going to hurt and so you're going to know what you're doing and you're going to know how to get it back off if you start tracking your weight the second thing you got to do is track your calories you can do this on the same app in fact it's super super easy well it's never easy it's it's always you know a fair bit of work um but if you're eating stuff out of a package, which most of us are, you can sc scan the barcode and it'll right away figure out what that food is. And then it'll tell you exactly what is in your food uh, as far as how much fat, how much calories, how much sugar, how much you know iron and how much folium and whatever else. It, it tells you everything that's in that food. And so if, if you set a, a, a guideline for yourself, say... You know, you, you've been doing this, you, you've been tracking your weight for, for like a month or something. And you're, you're fairly stable, you're not going up, but you'd like to go down slightly. So you might set a, a target, a reasonable target, I want to lose 10 pounds over two months. So you'll, you'll enter in, to, in your height and your weight, and the app will figure out, all right, well, you need to, you need to eat, you know, 2,000 calories a day or 1,800 calories a day, whatever, and if you stay under that, you're going to slowly lose weight and you're going to hit your target. And that's basically how I did it. Uh, there's, there's no secret to it. It's just tracking calories. Um, and uh, I mean, going on a diet is like having a budget. If you spend more money than you take in, you're going to go into debt. If you save more money than you, than you spend, you're going to... You're going to get rich. You're going to have savings. You're going to have money in the bank. Um, you know, dieting is very similar, only I guess in reverse. If you, if you burn more energy than you take in, you're going to lose weight. There's no other option. There's no middle ground for this. Um, this used to be deadly serious for our ancestors. If you don't consume enough calories, you're going to burn your own calories and eventually you're going to die, right? But for us, it's usually the same thing in reverse, that we eat more calories than we burn, and that's how, how we get fat. So if you track your, um, your calories and, and you get a good idea of how much you're eating, then you're going to be able to say, you know what, I'm just going to have a little bit less, and I'm going to, and that's, that's how you lose the weight. It's, it's not hard. It is hard. It's hard, but it's not complicated. So that being said, I didn't actually track calories um, in this past six months because I had spent a long time, I had spent about four or five months tracking just about everything I ate. Uh, this was two years ago, I think, when I had lost a bit of weight before. Um, so I knew what calories were. I, I could tell you pretty accurately looking at a meal about how many calories were in it. I had already cut out most white flour. My wife is you know, a very healthy cook and that really helps. We already ate pretty healthy, it's just I was eating too much. Um, and certainly I was stress eating. I could definitely see as I was tracking calories that or tracking my weight. Times that I get stressed, the weight would go up. And so I, I definitely knew that was a trigger and I could observe myself doing that, eating too much when I was when I was stressed out, which my job includes some fair bit of stress often. Um, but when I really said, this is it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to lose the weight, I said to myself, I'm going to live on about 1,000 a, a calories a day, which uh, is about half of what I need. And I set that goal, 
I didn't check the, the weight, the, the calories exactly, but I knew about, about what that was. Uh, and what that looked like for me was in the morning, I had a bowl of blueberries with a generous portion of cottage cheese and some healthy granola on top. And that carried me through till lunch. Uh, more or less, definitely got hungry, especially at the beginning, but that's all I ate for breakfast. For lunch, I had spinach. You take, I don't know if you ever wilt vegetables, but if you take like a, a huge amount of spinach, like this much, and you put it in a frying pan with butter, that will just shrink right down to like a little portion size like this. And then I would have three eggs with that and generous portion of cheese with that. And that would fill me right up till supper. Supper, I'd do either the same thing again or else I'd have a big salad. And I wouldn't eat in the evenings. Uh, if I was going to cheat a little bit or have a snack, I might have that in the afternoon or maybe in the morning. Um, but I wouldn't eat after 6.30. That was my firm rule. No evening snacks. Because I, I would really see it on the scale in the morning if I ate in the evenings. So other things that I did that helped, um, I used a hunger suppressor. Uh, this is um, PGX Daily. Um, as I'm going to talk about in a second, I went to a dietitian, asked for advice, and one of the things she recommended was to take these pills. Um, and actually, I went to a second dietitian sometime later. She said the same thing, that these are good pills to take. And I actually had two different pharmacists tell me exactly the same thing, that these are really good pills to take. Um, the only thing they do is it's just this, um, well, it's a mixture of various things that when it goes into your stomach, it just expands, creates this gel that makes you feel full. And you can have as many of them as you want. Uh, if you're a larger person like me, you have a big stomach, you can take three to five pills. It's not going to hurt you. It just, it just goes on through your body and uh, makes you feel full. The other thing that uh, that helped, um, the diet, one dietitian mentioned that uh, sometimes people lose weight up to a point and then they get stuck because um, there's toxins oftentimes built up in our fat cells. If your body has too many toxins, too much adrenaline, too much maybe heavy metals or any other sort of, of poison or toxin, uh, it doesn't know what to do with it. It'll, it, it can put it into the fat cells. And so if you lose fat quickly, then you end up with too much toxins going around in your body. Uh, something that you might have been exposed to years ago can, can, can come back uh, to haunt you. And so that can, that can, if your body feels that, that you're getting too much of the, this toxin buildup, then it can freeze your weight loss. And so uh, what this dietitian told me is that you need to sometimes do cleanses uh, to, to purge your system. Uh, and... I'm not 100% sure, but it seems like I got to a certain point. I lost around 30 pounds in, in three months. And I hit this point where like, I'm not going into details, but it, I just felt like there was weird toxins or something in my body. Uh, one thing that I did notice is that I felt really jittery. And I felt, I was thinking, you know, when I gained this weight, it's when we were going ready to embark on a big journey and, uh, and and go overseas and I was really stressed out of my mind. I was learning another language. I was doing a different culture. I was freaked out about taking my kids overseas and, and that's when I started stress eating and, and gaining so much weight. And as that weight came off, I almost felt some of the, like, I, this is kind of weird, but I almost felt some of the same emotions. Uh, and it's almost like 
that adrenaline was stored in my fat and it needed to get out of me. Uh, and other weird things were happening as well that I'm not going get, to get into. But um, I, had, I took some charcoal pills as well as um, there's a simple cleanse you can do with just lemon juice, cayenne pepper, and, um, and water. Oh, and uh, maple syrup. Put some maple syrup in there for, for some extra vitamins. Uh, and it seemed to, to fix the problem as well as taking huge amounts of water. I was super, super, super thirsty as I was doing this. Uh, I thought that I was messing myself up and that I'd always be thirsty, but it was just while I was losing all the weight that I was crazy thirsty. Like I'm talking like I would drink like two gallons of water more in the morning. It was just crazy. Um, but I think it was just because my body had to flush out all those toxins that were being freed up from the fat. And I think it was important um, to keep flushing because you don't want those toxins to build up in you. So that being said, uh, something I meant to start this with, but I want to say it now, I want to say it strong, I want to say it hard. I am not a dietitian. I am not giving you advice. I am telling you what other dietitians told me, what pharmacists told me, a few random bits of information that I found on the internet that seemed to have helped me. Um, but visit a dietitian. Go to a dietitian. Go to an expert that actually knows what they're talking about, okay? And just so it's absolutely clear, I'm not endorsing anything, I'm not selling anything, I'm not starting the Josiah Meyer diet, okay? And that's partially that I say that partially to, you know, cover my rear end, but also because I honestly, seriously believe it. Uh, weight loss, I mean, eating is how you live, and not eating is bad for your health, you know. Um, and so I, I wouldn't encourage you to do what I did. Uh, I wouldn't tell you to do what I did. I would tell you to go to a nutritionist, you know, just go for one appointment. That's all it took for me this last time. I just went to a nutritionist, talk things through. It was cheap. It was covered with my benefits. You know, humble yourself and say, you're the expert. I need to learn. Teach me. And, you know, they can work with you and, and figure, help figure out your diet and, and help you with, you know, I really like this food. Can I still have that? Well, maybe you just need to sacrifice something else. You know, so I would strongly encourage you to talk to an actual expert. If you have any sort of medical history or issues, talk to a, a doctor before you, you embark on weight loss, especially something really drastic. So, please, visit a dietitian. Um, it's what they do. It's what they do. Uh, so, so do that. Um, I started this off by saying, you are not a victim. Uh, be the hero. Don't be the victim. But the reality is that in some ways we are victims of our society and of big business and... Um, of things that are done to us. And we might be tempted to, to blame our parents or how we were raised, but really it's bigger than that. It's how a whole generation was raised. And it's how, you know, the previous two, three, four generations were raised. Uh, we're doing food wrong. And there's lots of other people saying this. There's lots of documentaries on Netflix and other places. Um, our society is slowly waking to the fact that we are in an obesity epidemic. And you might scoff at that and say, well, nobody's forcing anybody to eat a Big Mac. Nobody's forcing anybody to eat, you know, 
an ice cream cone. But the reality is that there's some really important factors that actually are manipulating us to overeat. As more and more people in a higher and higher percentage of the population reaches a level of obesity, which, you know, where more and more people are certifiably obese, not just overweight, but obese and sometimes uh, extremely obese. Um, and as we're realizing that more, virtually all diseases, not just diabetes, not just heart disease, but also things like cancers uh, and, or, um, and all the major killers, our, our risk are increased with obesity. Um, and we're quickly coming to the place where we realize that obesity is the number one killer of North Americans. It's not malnutrition, it's obesity. And um, we're realizing this is not just a North American concern, this is a global concern. In fact, I recently heard that we've reached a place where more people are killed by obesity than by hunger worldwide, which you might say that's a good thing. And it, I mean... It's probably better to die of obesity than hunger. I don't know. It's kind of a strange question to ask. But it would be better if we weren't affected by either. We need to try and find the middle ground here. So obviously, obesity is caused by many different factors, one of which is that we've got wonderful machines that do most of our heavy lifting, literally. So we're not... Most of us have a fairly sedentary lifestyle, uh, and that certainly changes things. Uh, but also, and more importantly, um, you know, there's been certain technological advances such as being able to grind flour very fine and then sift it very fine and create bleached white flour. As well, sugar was discovered in the 1700s, refined, brought to the West, um, and this changed how we eat. Another big factor was World War II, World War I and World War II, where the whole world was at war and uh, it was all about getting more nutrition to the troops as fast as possible and increasing shelf, the, the shelf stability of food. That's when ketchup was invented. That's when you know, a whole bunch of other things were either invented or else really ramped up. And that's when you know, mass produced, um, well, that's when factories went to 24-hour shifts you know, and just more emphasis on production, more emphasis on producing packaged foods for the war effort. And after the war, all these factories were there. You know, we didn't want to go back into the Great Depression. So it was like, how can we keep this ball rolling? Um, and eventually the, the woman joined the workforce, uh, did, had less time to cook. And so, you know, modern convenience was seen as a way to, to have more women in the workforce and, and less time cooking. And all this resulted in us eating more and more increasingly refined foods with more white flour, with more white sugar. So that's certainly, you know, part of it is kind of nobody's fault. I mean, or it's it's too big to really be blamed on anybody. It's just, you know, society progressed and that's what happened. We have more nutrition-rich food. Um, and But the downside of that is that people get fat. You know, it, it makes sense that we went this direction because for many, many, many thousands of years for most of human history it has been a mad scramble and a mad dash to get enough fat packed onto us before winter hit so that we could live through the cold winters in the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere 
and so that we could live through the dry seasons uh, in in the more arid zones. Um, for most of human history, it's been hard to find sugar and fat and carbohydrates. So it makes sense that we would we would put our emphasis into finding reliable sources of of energy, and then finding better and better ways to preserve to refine them and then preserve them. So all this stuff, you know, it's good. And and uh, global hunger is going down significantly. When I was in Africa, I lived uh, for a time in a third world country, saw real poverty up close. Um, it still hurts, you know, the things that I saw. Um, <clears throat> but the other thing that I saw was that white flour and white pasta and white rice were available everywhere. Anybody on the street could spend five cents and get a bag of white flour, which is a lot of energy, which is, you know, easily cooked. You can mix that with water. You can fry it. You can boil it. You could, um, you know, roast it over the fire. You could eat that. Um, and that is life to a lot of people on the planet. So I don't want to denigrate that. I don't want to say that's terrible. That's garbage. Hey, that's life. Um, but... In the book, Salt, Sugar, and Fat, which is a book I'd recommend to you, subtitle, How the Food Giants Hooked Us, um, the author points out that something that started happening in the 50s and 60s is that, is that the food giants, well, first of all, let's talk about the fact that we sell food. We're in a consumeristic economy. We're not Marxists. We're capitalists, right? We, we sell things. We sell products. Um, and stuff... So it's consumers that buy it. What are consumers going to buy? Well, they're going to buy stuff that tastes good. They're going to buy stuff that, that makes them feel good. And so um, in his book, Salt, Sugar, and Fat, uh, the author talks about how the food giants started warring it out, trying to get their food more, um, more interesting, more exciting to consumers. And they spent millions of dollars talking about doing research into what is the precise bliss point, that point where you just go, oh, and, and it's just bliss in your mouth. What is it that, that makes somebody crave something so that they'll, they'll come back and they'll buy another bag of Cheetos and they'll buy another bag of Cheetos and they'll buy another and, and they'll just sit there and just eat another one and another one and another one. What, what is that, that that drives us to do this? And they put... Again, millions, perhaps tens and hundreds of millions of dollars into researching what it is that makes us want to eat more and more, what makes us want to overeat. And um, they put all that research into their products, which are products that we eat, things like, um, like Pepsi, things like chips, things like breakfast cereals, things like you know the breads that we eat, things like the pastas that we eat. Um, things like all the packaged foods that we eat all have this sort of research behind it to try and make us overeat. And salt, sugar, and fat are basically the three things that will really make a normal human being go crazy about food. Because for most of our history, salt has been hard to find, but it's essential to life. You'll see deer licking a highway. Why? Not because they like to eat rocks, but because there's salt and they need salt. If you don't have salt, you will die. You need salt to, to transfer, you know, your um, 
you're actually I'm not sure what salt does. That's embarrassing. Anyway, salt does important stuff for your body. Helps you retain water, that's one thing. You need salt. Um, and sugar, again, you know, it's, it, it helps you pack on that weight uh, that you need. Sugar is, is life, it's energy. And for most of human history in most parts of the world, sugar was really hard to find. You might have berries part of the year, you might be able to find honey for part of the year, but for the most part, sugar was very, very hard to find. Uh, and fat was very, very hard to find. You know, most people would live on, you know, grains, um, or perhaps they would be able to trap small rabbits, uh, shoot some, some birds, have small game, maybe have some chickens, live on eggs. But getting that fat would be a really hard thing to find. And you need fat to live as well, um, to replace your own fat and to, to help with your, your body. And so these, these things, your body sends this strong signal to your, to your brain. Your tongue sends a strong signal. I need this. I want this. You need to give me more of this. Um, when, you, when you get that sugar, salt, and fat in your mouth, it triggers, I need more of this. And so uh, I would encourage you to read that book, Salt, Sugar, and Fat, to understand how... Um, People have very consciously made the decision to make foods that make you want to overeat. And in some ways we are victims, but we don't need to stay victims. We can overcome. We can become the hero of our own stories. And if this, this, um, this victimhood or this, this realization that we have been sinned against in some way by our technology, but also by these food giants that are making these terrible foods, that affect us if that makes you angry then find your own then dig down as i said at the beginning and find that place of anger within you and say i'm going to make a difference it's going to be different with me i'm not satisfied with the status quo i will get angry about this and i will change it so just before i close there's a few sayings that i said to myself fairly often that were helpful to me embrace the hunger it lets you know you're in control. Embrace the hunger. It lets you know you're in control. I said this to myself a lot because I, I was hungry. I'm hungry now, actually, as <laughs> so I'm doing this. Um, but it's late at night, and I don't want to eat because it'll just go on the scale, and then it'll take me two or three days to lose that pound. So why would I do that? I'm in control. Um, Lay's Chips Company is not in control of me right now. Uh, Pepsi Cola company is not in control of me. Starbucks is not in control of me. Who's in control of me? I'm in control of me. How do I know? Because I'm hungry and I'm not listening to this. I'm listening to this because I know what I need right now and what I need is what I need is sleep, but also not food. Um, I'm not a garbage can. I'm not a garbage can. Tell myself that a lot because I got kids. They don't finish their food all the time. And it can be tempting just to, you know, shove it back because you don't want to waste, you know. Um, raised in a blue collar home and, you know, we didn't waste food and you finish the food on your plate and stuff. But you know what? If it's, a, if it's the choice between either I eat it just so that it's eaten or else it goes in the garbage, like, why am I eating that? I'm full. I ate my food already. Why am I eating somebody else's food? 
just put it in the garbage. I am not a garbage can. So it actually physically, I don't know if others can re relate to this, but it, it's hard for me <laughs> to throw food out because I know like we spent money on that food uh, and we do try and you know make sure the kids finish their food and stuff like that. But at a certain point, you're going to throw food out um, and it's better to throw it out than to throw it here. You know, there's no need for you to be the garbage can to take that hit. Um, and there's no need to think about people in the world that don't have food and, and you have food. You getting fat and uh, suffering the health consequences is going to do nothing to help somebody that's hungry. So just throw the food out and leave the guilt trip for another day. There is no cheating. There is no cheating. Sometimes people would be like, oh, I cheated on my diet. And this is something I told myself very seriously. There is no cheating. And that's not a personal pep talk. I had other personal pep talks that I certainly needed, especially at the beginning. But it's not a pep talk. It's a reality check that, look, if you're weighing yourself every day, you realize very quickly that there is no cheating. You might sneak that, that donut or that, you know, whatever, that second serving and your wife doesn't notice and the kids don't notice and nobody on Facebook notices and, and you cheated, you know. You didn't write it on your MyFitnessPal app. Nobody in the world knows. Well, you didn't get away with it. On the scale tomorrow morning, the scale knows and the scale is always honest. It does not lie. You did not cheat. You just, you know, you made a decision about what future you wanted. And you made the decision that uh, you wanted a future that would be 0.5 pounds heavier <laughs> is what you decided in that moment. Uh, it's always amazing to me how, you know, like a third of a pound of sugar or bread or whatever can turn into like a pound in our body. I don't know how that works exactly. I suppose I could research it and find out. But the bottom line is that there is no cheating. There is no cheating. You, you reap what you sow every single time. Um, th there is no getting away from it. So instead of saying, oh, I'm going to cheat, say, I'm going to make a decision. And as I said before, some there is a time to make that decision. There is a time to say, especially if it's for friends, especially if it's with family and it's a special occasion, it's your son's birthday, it's whatever. It doesn't mean you need to have three pieces of cake, people. But there is a time everybody else is having dessert. You might have a smaller piece, but, but you would, it would be like shaming them not to have something with them. Um, there's a time to make that decision, but you're making a decision. You're not cheating. You're making a decision. Tomorrow you'll see the consequences of that. And you're knowing what you're, what you're doing. You know why you're doing it. And you know what you're going to do to get that weight off afterwards. Alright guys, my, my camera died um, and I got it plugged into the wall here and I'm thinking it's probably a good, good reminder that it's getting quite late and I should probably just wrap it up here. Uh, I think there's more things I want to say about this. I want to talk about legalism. I want to talk about how the Bible intersects with these ideas, but it's getting way too late for that. Um, and so I'm going to sign off here. Um, 
I hope it came through loud and clear. These are some things that worked for me. I'm not even sure that I entirely did everything right. I would just very much encourage you to visit a nutritionist, um, go visit your family doctor, talk to experts, and figure it out. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, before you do anything, ask yourself, why, who do I want to be when I grow up? And if you are growing up, it's just, who do you want to be? What life do you want? It's you that chooses. Um, so dig deep, find that, that passion, find that anger, and uh, choose the life that you want to live and make it a good choice. So this is Josiah Meyer for the No Longer Be Children podcast, and uh, I, I just pray that uh, this helps you in some way. God bless and have a good day.